This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Another week in the psychodrama <laughs> that is UK politics and the British economy continues to rail from all this uncertainty. And Craig, looking at the currency yesterday, looking at sterling, it rose initially after Prime Minister Liz Truss resigned, but has since slipped back. And we've also seen gilts on the rise as well. What's behind this? Yeah, it's been an exhausting week, hasn't it? Just trying to follow everything that's been going on. And the resignation yesterday, while many people would say it was expected in that she was hanging on by a thread and she looked like someone who knew their days were numbered, the speed with which it unraveled was quite phenomenal. There was obviously the vote on Wednesday evening where there was a lot of discontent in the background and a lot of reports coming from there and emerging. And from there, it unravelled so fast. In the morning, the rumours started coming and by early afternoon, she'd resigned. In terms of the markets, yeah, the pound rallied a little bit to begin with and then it settled down. And the reason is because while I'm sure people in the markets will look at who follows her and think that looks like a safer pair of hands in an ideal world, it doesn't change the fact that the UK economy is still in a very precarious position. We may already be in recession. Inflation is above 10% again and is going to go higher and could go higher again in April, depending on what they do with energy bills. And the Bank of England is still going to have to raise interest rates extremely aggressively up towards 4 or 5%, which is going to create further economic headwinds. So the political instability and the political psychodrama, as you say, was a bit of a, a distraction from the reality that everything else is already quite bleak. And I think that's really what's reflected in the movements that we're seeing in the pound it is the fact that everything else is still bleak, even if the political situation could improve. It was incredible to watch that unfold and the speed with which it all fell apart. And as I said, guilts are on the rise. Some analysts suggesting that the possibility of Boris Johnson returning is spooking the markets. I mean, they've been fairly positive about the new Chancellor Jeremy Hunt so far. But with the possibility of Mr Johnson back in number 10, the uncertainty continues. And there's even doubt as to whether this statement on Halloween from the Chancellor would go ahead. And that was very important ahead of, as you mentioned, the Bank of England uh, rate rise announcement on November the 3rd. Nothing really sums up the state of British politics right now like Boris Johnson less than two months after leaving number 10, returning there having been voted back in by the very MPs who previously voted him out. It really is astonishing, but it is indicative of where we are right now. It does highlight how much of a mess the Conservative Party is right now. He is still the favourite among Conservative Party members. So if it does go to a vote, which many are suggesting it won't, but if it did go to a vote and Boris Johnson was one of the final two, then he will be returning to number 10 by all accounts. And it really is a phenomenal thing right now that this is what we are talking about, this idea of we're going to get political stability by going back two months. However... We do need to start moving on from all of this and we do need to start focusing on the task at hand. And the task at hand is repairing this economy that is on the brink of quite a severe recession. And if some good decisions aren't made and if we don't see some stability, then things are not going to improve. Interest rates are rising. Inflation is above 10%. And we need 
a stable government at this point in time. And that's why when you hear people say what we need is an election, I completely understand from a moral perspective, from a political perspective, an election is arguably the right thing right now because who in government has an actual mandate from the people for what they want to do? Liz Truss certainly didn't have a mandate from the British public for enacting uh, all those tax cuts, which were very much not what Boris Johnson got elected on. Boris Johnson arguably does have a mandate, and I think that's one of the reasons why people are putting a case forward for him to return to number 10. So much has changed since the last election that politically and morally, you can understand the argument for an election. But can you imagine at this point in time, the crisis we're in, going into a very troubling winter and an even more challenging 12-month period, undergoing an election process right now. It really does just feel like the wrong time. What we need right now is cool heads. We need some form of political stability to steer the ship and hope that uh, the, the waters are not too rough. And we just have to hope that the voting within Parliament over the course of the next week and then potentially with the membership leads to uh, a safe pair of hands. Well, I've been following the betting markets over the last 24 hours, uh, Craig, and uh, Boris Johnson is closing in on the former Chancellor Rishi Sunak, who still remains the odds-on favourite, but only just. We also had some retail sales this morning, which fell by more than expected last month, dropping 1.4%. Now, there was the added factor of the Queen's funeral, and that was a public holiday, so that would have had some bearing on those figures, but they were still disappointing. They were, and it really does align with the view that the UK economy could already and probably already is in recession because it followed the month before, which was a 1.7% decline in retail sales as well. And when you consider how important a consumer is and the cost of living squeeze, the impact that inflation is having on household budgets, it shows that this is having a knock-on effect on their spending habits and therefore there is going to be economic consequences. So yes, the UK economy, it also, the month last monthly GDP reading was negative as well. So it does look as though we are already in recession and that retail sales figure doesn't say anything that suggests that, uh, that that's not going to be the case. And that's another thing really that's weighing on the pound this morning is the fact that we've just had a reminder effectively uh, of the state of the economy. Let's cross the Atlantic now, uh, Craig, and uh, US earnings season continues. Of the results over the last couple of days, what sticks out for you? So the Netflix results were incredibly strong. They had enormous subscriber growth, more than double what the markets were expecting, and the top and bottom line wasn't too bad either. So this was one that really got the market buzzing at one point during the middle of the week uh, because we were seeing these really impressive figures, this idea that things may not be as bad as they seem, and the company is also looking to find alternative ways for people to uh, subscribe to its service with an ad-supported uh, service as well, looking at people sharing passwords passwords and how they can account for that and how they can start to make the system and make the process uh, that much easier and increase revenue on the back of that as well. So the, those results were really promising. And then you look at Snap and Snap was incredibly disappointing. And it's not just disappointing for Snap. So even though actually the the, top, the bottom line number, the earnings per share was a little bit better than expected, revenue missed a little bit and daily active users was slightly better than expected. But it was the revenue that they were getting from their ad side 
landed a business which was a really disappointing and they even said in their report that they're finding their advertising partners across many industries are decreasing their marketing budgets uh, in the face of uh, operating environment headwinds inflation driven cost pressures and a rising cost of capital in other words if you're a business which is heavily reliant on advertising like snap is but also like meta and others you are likely seeing similar headwinds so snap fell 25 percent in uh, pre-market trading at the time of recording it's now down almost 30 percent but also meta is down almost three percent we're seeing alphabet shares trading lower as well uh, and others are the same twitter down 4.3 percent so it seems like uh, earnings season for the u.s there are going to be some positive points like those netflix results earlier in the week but there are certainly headwinds showing and these economic headwinds have taken a massive toll on Snap and it's made people a little bit more pessimistic coming into these other earnings next week, like I say, from Meta, Alphabet, etc. Meanwhile, uh, the Japanese yen continues to decline. It's now hit its lowest since 1990. Despite that, no intervention as yet from the Japanese government. No, not yet. We've had daily warnings that they're going to intervene. They're watching the situation with a high sense of urgency, this, that and the other. And yet the yen is continuing to slide and they're continuing to do nothing about it. So I'm not really sure what they mean at this point by this high sense of urgency. There doesn't seem to be any urgency at all. This may be because the intervention last month was so unsuccessful. Within a day it was reversing course and within a few days or within a couple of weeks, I should say, the yen had fallen below the levels it was prior to the last intervention and now it's well below those levels. Bearing in mind the intervention took place previously just shy of 146, I think it was around 145.95 and it's now trading at 151. So we've seen a massive decline in the yen once more. For the second day in a row we've seen the Japanese central bank intervene in the JGB market uh, because the uh, 10 year was pushing towards the top end of the trading band that it allows it to trade within. So it aims to keep the 10-year yield at 0%. It was pushing at the 0.25%, so the upper end of that band. So they intervened in the markets for a second day, buying up JGBs, pushing that yield back within the band. But that therefore weakens the yen further, which is one of the reasons why we've seen such a, a move in the yen. Because of that policy divergence, they're doing quantitative easing while every other central bank is raising interest rates very aggressively. And yet the Japanese uh, Ministry of Finance still hasn't acted at this point in time. We've seen a little bit of moves uh, earlier on. About an hour ago, we saw the yen uh, rally a little bit from around close to 152 towards 151, and it stayed quite volatile since. But that doesn't strike me as being an intervention move. When you look at the intervention move last week, it moved around six big figures. So just moving one big figure over the course of 30 minutes doesn't strike me as an intervention, unless it's one of these stealth interventions, which people have been speculating about. Maybe it's just a bit of nerves and a bit of anxiety in the markets uh, around the prospect of an intervention, especially when we're going into the weekend. Uh, looking at going into the weekend and beyond, Craig, of course, uh, here in the UK, it's set to be another episode of the psychodrama that I mentioned earlier on. And uh, we, we may even possibly uh, have a new prime minister this time next week. Seems extraordinary, doesn't it? Probably be beyond that, because uh, what needs to happen is there'd have to be an outright winner for that to be announced on Friday. And if not, it would go to the members of the Conservative Party the following Monday. But uh, Let's just suppose uh, it's a normal period in economic and political history. What else should we look out for over the next few days? 
Yeah, beyond the UK maybe having a new Prime Minister for a few weeks, uh, we've also got some big central bank meetings next week. We've got the Bank of Canada on Wednesday with markets pricing in a 50 basis point rate hike. We have the ECB on Thursday, 75 basis points priced in there. And then the Bank of Japan on Friday. That's going to be so closely watched because anyone looking for any sign that we could see any kind of tweak to the yield curve control I mean remember the Japan inflation last month was 3% confirmed this morning core inflation rose to 1.8% from 1.6% the Bank of Japan has said until now it thinks it's going to dip back below target next year which is why it needs to continue on the current path but there is that outside, outside, outside chance of a slight tweak to that in order to try and address the weakness that we are seeing in the yen with the inflation data potentially providing an excuse to do so. So I think people are going to be watching that meeting next week extremely closely. That aside, we've got data, we've got things like PMIs on Monday and we've got US inflation data on Friday, US GDP on Thursday as well. So there's plenty to keep an eye out for next week outside of the political theatre that we have here in the UK. Okay, Craig, enjoy your weekend. We'll speak to you again soon. Thanks a lot, you too. This is the Oanda Podcast.